Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we ask for your forgiveness, God. We pray, Lord, that you would not remove your anointing from us as a nation, as a people, Lord God. And we pray that you start in the church house all across this nation, Lord. I pray that there would just be a a reconciliation of families, Lord. People that are, are, are making commitments even today, starting here, that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord that we're going to come to a place, God, of saying that we truly want Jehovah God to be number one in our life. We want Jesus. God, uh, we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And and God, I pray that there would be a, a great return. And Lord, as people begin to surrender, Lord, make new and, and recommitments, God, that there would be a revival in our land. Um, Your word says that the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. And I know this, that an encounter with you, a moment with you can turn um, the, the, you know, the, the, the worst criminal. It can turn the the highest uh, of those that are educated. It can turn the strongest atheists away from themselves and away from the world and towards God. A moment with you, uh, being in the presence and experiencing the power of love and forgiveness can change the heart of a person. And if it can change the heart of a person, it can change a family, it can change a community, it can change a nation. Ultimately, it can change a world. And so, God, I'm asking you to hear the prayers that have been spoken, uh, whether they be individual or or broader, I- including more people. But God, I pray that you hear the prayers, the cry of your people, and move and respond, Lord, to what has been lifted up to you and asked of you, Lord. And I pray that what you're doing, I'm asking you that you would do it, certainly in your time, but I'm asking you, Lord, that you do it quickly, um, quickly, Lord. And and uh, we just love you and we thank you, God. Thank you for, you know, thank you for your mercies, which have been needed and your grace, Lord, and and your love, ultimately your love. Thank you, Lord, for the cross of Christ, uh, the redemption. Thank you for the covering of sin, the blessing, the power that you give us, the love that you extend to us. Lord, thank you. We pray these things in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Um, Yeah, guys, we've got to return to the basics. I really believe that. God is calling us as a church to return to the things that are important to him. Amen. I want to challenge you to be a person of prayer. Um, if If you've not developed a strong prayer life, start developing that. Um, you know, husbands, pray with your wives. Wives, if your husbands are forgetful, grab their hand and say, listen, as a family, we need to, 
you know, we need to pray together. We need to pray for our family. We need to pray for our children. We need to pray for our church. We need to pray for our community, our work, everything. But let's be a people that, that go back to the Lord in prayer. Amen? So many other things. But prayer is, is one of those that, that I really feel is so powerful and so needed in the time that, that we are in. Praise God. It's good to see you here. Do me a favor and just look across the auditorium, wave to somebody that you haven't seen in a little while, let them know, make eye contact, let them know that you're happy to see them. I want to welcome you. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to welcome our online church as well. Thank you for being with us. I know this, that God has, he's already showed up, but God has something special for you today. Are you guys ready for the word of the Lord today? I'm excited to give the word to you today. We've been in a series called Encounters, and the whole idea are there are times with God where God will, he will show up to, like I said, a, a person or a people group, and, and, and they will experience God in such a way that it changes the course of their life. It changes them. Um, oftentimes, it leads to repentance and, and, and a turning, and so and so I want you to know this, that God, um, if you will pursue him, he will be found. Um, you're in a, you're in, a, in a time frame. It's not always going to be like this, but you're in a time frame right now where if you pursue God, he will be found. And I believe that you will find him easily. And not only will he be found, but he, will, uh, he can be experienced. I believe that he can answer the questions that you have, that he can encourage you in the in the in the in the season of life that you find yourself in right now. Today I want to talk about how God shows up on your worst day and how he can use your worst day to do great things. How many of you know that God does this all the time? God shows up on your worst day in the in the time frame when you're experiencing the most pain, he will show up during that moment and he can do great things out of that. How many of you would say, I've got a testimony, you know, about God showing up on my worst day and doing something great in that? I believe that many people would have a, a wonderful testimony um, about that here today. And so um, it's interesting when people are disappointed in life, and I really didn't even hit this first service. But when people are disappointed in life because they're experiencing pain, oftentimes they will blame God. E even people that don't even believe in God, um, you know, th they'll use it as a reason to why they don't believe in God. It's like, like you know, the biggest atheist or, or maybe they're just, you know, they're too smart for, you know, believing in God and they think that that's a weak man's religion. Well, when something bad happens, it's God that they don't believe in that always gets that always gets blamed for it. And I just want you to know this that whenever we experience bad things like a tendency that a lot of people have is to run away from God, see I told you so, but I'm telling you that is a time often when God draws close come on to people is whenever they're experiencing devastation and pain and trouble. Uh, the Bible says in Psalm 34 and verse 18 it says the Lord is close Somebody say close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in their spirit. Um, I want to really be clear on one thing. If, if you've been brought up thinking that serving God is going to 
is going to be your solution, your answer to no pain, then you're mistaken. And if somebody has taught you that, then, then, then they are mistaken. They have taught you incorrectly. You see, there is a time in heaven whenever, when we're going to be in a place where there's no pain. Somebody say no pain. No suffering. Come on, no aches. No insurance. Come on, the Dairy Queen is going to be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're not even going to charge you for a large cherry-dipped cone. They'll just give them to you. You could say, listen, I'll be back in an hour. Keep it coming. And, and so there is a time in heaven where you're going to be given new bodies. Come on, there's no more uh, of, the, of the things that you despise now. But I want you to be clear of something. That is not here on the earth. God never promised you that he was going to keep you, come on, from walking through difficult seasons and keep you from the pain. That is just not true. And so when you go through things that you didn't sign up to go through as a Christian, the worst thing that you can do is withdraw from God because God is desiring at that moment to draw close to you and be what it is. You see, he, he didn't promise that he would remove the pain, but what he did promise is that he would sustain you and strengthen you in the middle of the hardships that you're going through. And so as the church, I don't know if we've just been teaching wrong or if people just assume that, you know what I mean, God loving you means that he's going to protect you from anything bad happening. That's a falsity. That, that is just not true. He will not keep you from everything that is hurtful. And so you need to realize God still loves you even in the middle of your pain. He's not mad at you. He didn't give you this pain or cause you to go through this because he's punishing you. Sometimes we go through things because we just make poor decisions and and those decisions lead to, you know, lead to things. I'm thinking like somebody that may drink a lot, having cirrhosis of the liver. You know, that's a consequence of just beating your body to death by drinking so much alcohol. But God's not mad at you. He loves you just the same. And so when you go through seasons of hardship and seasons of pain, know this, that God is desiring for you to draw close to him so that he can draw close to you. Come on, he's a friend that is already there, never going to leave you nor forsake you. I can tell you this, that some of my greatest days happened in some of my darkest days. For instance, I gave my heart to Jesus when I was sitting in jail because I got picked up for a DUI, completely inebriated. I gave my heart to Jesus, and the Lord met me in that place. A very dark moment, a very dark day, Jesus showed up. I, I, was, I, I stepped into ministry in the middle of a hardship. In fact, the church that I was going through, uh, going to whenever I moved to Rupert, Idaho, the church that I was going through were going through some painful moments because there was a lot of transition that was taking place. And so even moving to Rupert here, God's speaking to me and saying, listen, I'm taking you someplace else is is what was in a painful situation. And this is the truth. If you would be honest with yourself, some of your greatest days came at some of your darkest hours. Like God revealed or did some things that were pretty amazing in your past. 
And so if that's the case, what's to keep us to think that he won't do it again in the future? But this becomes the prayer of the Christian. God, keep me from pain. Don't let me go through anything, any trouble or any hardships. But yet some of the greatest things that have happened in life were birthed in a moment of pain. Right? Can you just, can somebody say amen, amen just so I know that I'm not preaching to an empty audience here? Come on, and I'm not asking you to say amen if you don't agree with it. I'm asking you to be honest with yourself, and if you agree with it, say amen. Because I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. And so God will do something with your pain. There's purpose for your your pain. Pain doesn't have to lead to a problem. Sometimes it can lead to a platform. I was sitting in my office just this morning, and I was thinking about this. Pain doesn't have to lead to a problem. Come on, it can, it can be a platform to not only help yourself, but to help other people. And I remember, I remember years ago, uh, the Subway commercials, when, when Jared, and I even Googled this morning to get some details on Jared. Does anybody remember Jared? Jared weighed 425 pounds, and, and he incorporated a diet. I don't know, Dr. Dave, if this is a healthy diet, but it worked for him. He incorporated a diet that he would go to Subway two times a day and he would only eat Subway and he would only eat twice a day. And he probably ate the right things at Subway. But Jared, over a short period of time, he lost 245 pounds. He was 425 pounds. He lost 245 pounds. And, And his pain, which was being obesely terribly overweight, his pain led to a platform because Jared at at that time was one of the main spokespeople of healthy living and and becoming active. And, And not only was he a spokesperson for Subway, but the guy made millions of dollars because of his position and his story. I'm telling you what, your pain doesn't always have to lead to a problem. It can lead to a platform. How many times have you been able, come on, I've been able to corner up with some people going through some terrible situations because I've been through terrible situations myself. Come on, it's called relatability. And so sometimes people go through the pain and it only leads to a problem and they never recover from the problem. 60 years, 70 years pass and they're still broken, busted because of the problem. And I'm saying, I'm not making light of the problem. People have used, you know, some egregious situations in life, come on, to to, to bring about some positive effects in the lives of other people because they've walked through it, they've been through it. And they came out stronger on the other side. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes the pain destroys the person and life stops at the moment that the person experiences the pain. What is the difference? What's the difference? What are you going to do with your pain? Who are you going to go to in your pain? That's the difference. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. The prophet Isaiah is writing this and he says that in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, King Uzziah started out, you can study this out, he's a pretty good king on the front side, but kind of, you know, failed in, in, on the back side. He, he had some shortcomings. But when a king died, I'm telling you this, that the nation mourned. They were without, without, a, without a leader. And so here's a guy that the prophet Isaiah maybe at one time had, had great respect for. 
But now he's in a place of mourning and the people, the nation are in a place of mourning because it's the year that King Uzziah died. And so in a position of pain, everything else that I'm getting ready to share with you took place. So this was not a good time for this nation. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. And when he saw the Lord, come on, there were three things that he saw. It goes on to say he saw the Lord high and exalted. You see, when we go through pain, sometimes the greatest thing that we can do is just look up instead of look down. I don't know about you, but I've got a tendency when I'm going through stuff, I have a tendency to feel sorry for myself. I'm sad. I'm broken. And this is what happens in that state is my head is down. I'm not super encouraged, but I'm telling you what, there's something amazing whenever you're able to lift up your head. You see, he was not able to see the Lord high and lifted up until he lifted up his head and put his eyes upon, come on, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He said, I saw, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. That means that God's still in control. He hasn't lost his throne. He hasn't, he hasn't misplaced it. Come on, he is still the a God that is in control and in authority. And then the third thing, the train of his robe filled the temple. A king's train often represented, come on, their greatness. The larger the train, come on, the greater the king. And I'm just telling you this, that the train filled the temple. It says, above him were seraphim, and they were calling one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds, they shook and the temple was filled with smoke. You see, doorposts to me and thresholds to me, what it means are the things in life that are foundational. Come on, the things in life that you can count on. And, and, and the Bible says that during this time, they, they shook and the temple was filled with smoke. I'm telling you this, that when something is happening to you, God is wanting to do something in you and through you. Come on, so if we can be a people that whenever we're in the middle of the pain, we're in the middle of experiencing the very thing that we wish never happened to us, if we can identify that God is wanting to do something in me and through me at this moment, and we can begin to search for whatever it is. And how do you search? You simply ask him, God, what am I supposed to do with this? God, give me the strength. But also, what are you wanting to do with this pain that I'm going through? Because I know that it's for a bigger reason than what I can see right now. And I trust in your sovereignty. I trust in your power. I trust in your authority. I still believe that you love me, that you have not you know, with, with, you know, removed your hand from my life. I don't want what's happening to happen, but I believe, God, that you're going to use it. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, it goes on to say, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, O God Almighty. So, so listen, when we, begin to see the, when we begin to see God as God is, come on, we have a clearer vision of who we are. See, he saw in the middle of all this pain, he saw God high and exalted on his throne, Right. He saw God in, in, in his authority and in his power. And immediately when he was in the presence of greatness, 
the greatest greatness that you can imagine, all of the sudden he saw himself clearly. And what did he say? I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm surrounded by people of unclean lips. You see, it brings into a clearer vision who you are as to comparison to who God is. And oftentimes, if we were going to be truthful, we often treat ourselves like we are little gods. It's like if it's good for me, like I lived my whole life before Jesus, and sometimes it still creeps in now. If it's good for me, it should be good for everybody. We take our eyes off of the greatness of God and we make ourselves greater than what we really are. And I'm just saying the best thing that you can do, I've started doing this over this last month or so. I remember when I was a kid, I would go out in the middle of the night, which I was usually out in the middle of the night because we'd be playing kick the can or hide and go seek tag or, or ball tag, playing with all the kids in the community. Sometimes we were just so exhausted, this is what we would do. We would lay in the grass. When was the last time that you just pulled up some grass and just laid down in the grass? Well, I'm too old for that. That's silly. That's what kids do. I'm telling you what, I remember as a kid just laying in the grass and looking up at the greatness of the sky that was above me. And every once in a while, you'd see a falling star if you were lucky. Every once in a while, you'd see a satellite that was passing. Or back then, there were fewer airplanes in the sky. You'd see an airplane going over. But I'm just telling you this, that whenever you look at the greatness of God, I don't know if this happens to you, but it makes me feel much smaller than what I have allowed myself to become in my own mind. Like I am just such a minuscule piece of God's great plan, and it helps me to keep those things into perspective because sometimes I can think I'm pretty special. And I am special because God loves me and He's created me but sometimes I can elevate how special I am. And it is good for me to, to, to look at the greatness of God from time to time and just, and just realize that, man, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. I got issues. And the greatness of God is his love. Is, he hasn't forget. He's not forgotten about me. He forgives me. He loves me. So when I position myself in that place, it makes God greater and me smaller. Oh, that's amazing. There's a scripture that says that I must decrease so that he can increase in my life. I'm not feeding you just stories of my childhood. I'm sharing with you how this whole thing comes together. When we put God where he's supposed to be, it ought automatically clears up who we are and where we're supposed to be. We see ourselves more clearly. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 6 says this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, a burning coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth. Now listen, that live coal, that was a blood sacrifice that was burnt on the offering, on the, on the, as an offering. And so you fast forward a period of time, there was a, there was a blood sacrifice that you can apply to your life once and for all, and his name was Jesus, and it was done on that cross right there. Amen? And so, so, so this live coal, which was representation of a, a, a live animal that was sacrificed on the altar, come on, this, this seraphim, he, flows, he flies over with this live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar, and he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has been taken away, and your sins have been atoned for. You apply that to your life, and it's the same. Your guilt is taken away, and your sins are atoned for. Amen? 
And I'm telling you, that's what we need in our families. That's what we need in our community. That's what we need in our nation, in our world. Come on, we need to repent and come to the cross of, of Jesus Christ. God removes the condemnation that you have. You see, you see um, condemnation will destroy you. But conviction, like God convicts you. When you go to the cross, God convicts you. This is why he said, woe am I. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm surrounded by people. There was conviction there. Condemnation will destroy you. He removes that in Romans 8. You can read all about it. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But you better praise God for conviction because conviction leads to change. You don't change without conviction. And you, you don't, you're not given conviction. God doesn't convict you unless he loves you. And so if you're just, if you have no convictions and your heart is hard and you're calloused and you're just like, ah, whatever, whatever, my friend, you're in a bad place. That means that the Lord has pretty much removed his hands from you. Not that he can't put them back on you, but I'm telling you, that's a scary place to be. Convictions come out of love and lead to change, condemnation will just simply destroy you. And God, God removes the condemnation when he brings the conviction. Number two is this. Actually, let me, let me go forward. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And so here's the prophet Isaiah. Come on, in a time of pain, he has this experience with God you know, the, 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 uh, the sins are atoned for, the condemnation is, 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 is removed, and at the same moment, come on, there's a job that needs to be done, and, and the question is, is who's going to do the job? Well, this guy has just been prepared in moments, come on, to do the work that was ahead of him. He said, send me, I'm ready, I'm prepared. And I'm just saying this, that there may be some things that need to happen in your life before you step into, come on, the, fulfilling the call that God has positioned on your life. And maybe it's removing condemnation. Maybe it's adhering to the conviction. Maybe it's repentance. Maybe it's change. Maybe it's just trusting in the process and the promise of God. Number two is this, seeing ourselves clearly, we can see our future clearly. There was a guy by the name of Viktor Frankl that... Uh, that, that actually he was a scientist, I believe, that he, he, uh, he studied uh, and, and helped uh, people that were, that were um, uh, in concentration camps, Jews that were in concentration camps, um, and, and helped them with their, th these are survivors that made it through. He helped them with their anxiety and their depression, which is very, very real. And I just think that, you know, God help us to serve people that have, um, you know, these mental health disorders. I think we've not done a great job of doing that in the past. But, but anyhow, I just love it um, when, when, when science lines up with God's Word. And so he put together this, this, uh, this treatment called logotherapy. I don't know what the meaning is behind it, but there were three things that he shared that, that out of the study and that he shared with these Jews that were dealing with these deep depressive moments and, and high anxiety. And these three things was this. Number one, that, that if, you're, if you're dealing with a deep depression, one of the greatest things that you can do is find work that has a, a real meaning behind it. Like find yourself busy doing something 
that is purposeful, that will make a difference and, and has tremendous meaning. The second thing is that you can involve yourself. You need to involve yourself in community, even when you don't feel like it. Because when you're depressed or anxious, like the last thing that you really want to do is be around other people, especially like crowds of people. But he says, listen, this is vitally important that you, were, that you find yourself involved in community. Because you need the relationship, and through relationship, there's healing. Number three is this, that you need to find meaning for your suffering. And I can just tell you this, and I'm not making light of any of the suffering that has gone on here because there have been some terrible things that have happened in, in, in the families that are, that are even sitting here right now. I mean, I bet we could spend a whole week talking about it. But this is what I'm saying. If you can find meaning Come on, something that God can use through the suffering that you've gone through, it will help you in the healing process. And I have applied a little bit of this to my own life, trying to find meaning as to why certain things happened. And I'm telling you, it is helpful. Joseph, we see this. Joseph was, he was like the favored son, right? Joseph was, was uh, uh, you know, the brothers were jealous. And so the brothers took him, beat him, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery, he went off to a distant, a distant land, didn't know anybody. But because he loved the Lord and served the Lord and he was faithful to the Lord, he was elevated, come on, from the prison to the, to the pit to the palace. Well, then he went back to the prison. And then he went back to the, being in second in command over all of Egypt. And, and this came through pain. If he hadn't have been thrown into the pit by his family, he would have never been able to save them at a later date. And so there was purpose, there was meaning in the pain that he experienced. If you've got pain in your life, you've got to figure out what it is that God's wanting to do with it. Because there is a meaning. And it will help you. Amen? No, we, th that's not fun because that means that we've got to, you know, somehow bring God into the into the situation. But uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 20, talking about Joseph, you intended to harm me is what he said. But God intended it for good. He brought me into this position so that I could save the lives of many people. People have used some of the most egregious things to to, you know, in a positive way. Just this last week, I was able to be a part of something that was incredible in our community. Um, there was a, it was, I don't know if it's a whole month that's, that's devoted to sex trafficking or if it was a day, but it's sex trafficking awareness event that we had right here at the Wilson Theater. And it was put together in like six days. It was amazing that it was to be able to, you know, be pulled off and whatnot. I didn't know what I was stepping into but I'm sure glad I was there because I was so blessed by it. But we've got a young lady in our church. I didn't even realize that she was a, a victim of sex trafficking. At 13, 14 years old, she was taken and her body. She was forced to, to, uh, to, to give her body away you know, for money. And so here's this 13, 14-year-old girl. She's only 20 years of age right now. This, this 13, 14-year-old girl has been through more terrible things in a short period of her life than what a lot of people will go through in their whole life. And here she is, courageous, willing to stand up on a stage like this and to share 
her story. And you know who she gives credit to? She gives credit to the Lord, number one. And then she began to honor the, the, the police and the, and, the, and the law enforcement agents that came in and they rescued her out of that situation. And in a day and a time where our law enforcement, you know what I mean, are not being supported. Can I just say, let's not be those people. Can I really just say, let's not be those people. But in a day and a time where they're not being supported, Come on, this, this, this girl that has been through more heartache than I've ever experienced in my entire life in her little 20-year life was able, come on, to get up and share of God's goodness. Come on, she's using a terrible situation, come on, to be a light and expose and to bring awareness, which will also bring about action because once you know something now you're accountable to do something about it and she's using her devastation come on to 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 maybe maybe keep from another young girl or a young boy it's not just girls you know what i mean there's young boys that go through the same stuff but to keep them out of harm's way and i just love that i i want to talk to this young lady and maybe we can have her you know share on a sunday morning here and um, and it will just it'll just be a blessing to you. I know Romans eight twenty eight says this, and this is this supports what I just said. And we know that God causes all things to work to good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I'm gonna lighten things up here a little bit, and I want to tell you just a, a short story. There was a king, and this king. This is not a true story. This is a joke. So there was a king. And he had a best friend, and, and, but the best friend was his servant. And so the servant went everywhere that the king had gone. And, and they went out hunting one day, and the servant loaded the king's rifle. And, and the king saw an animal, and he had it in his sight. And he pulled the trigger, and there was a misfire on the gun. And it ended up blowing the king's thumb off of his hand. Terrible, terrible thing. Well, one of the things I didn't tell you about the servant is the servant was super positive. It didn't matter if good things happened. He would say something. He had a statement that he would always say. He would say, this is good. And then even when bad things would happen, the servant, his best friend, the king's best friend would say, this is good. So anyway, this king fires this, this rifle and it blows his thumb off and he's in pain and in shock and he turns over to his servant that loaded the rifle and the servant's got a big smile on his face and the servant says, this is good. And the king's like, this is not good. And he throws him into prison and he forgets about him and the guy's just rotten in prison. Well, one year later, the king is out hunting again by himself this time. And while he's out hunting, he gets overtaken by cannibals. And for those of you that do not know, a cannibal is somebody that eats people. And so this king gets overtaken by cannibals and they're getting ready to make human stew of this king. And they look down and they see that this guy's right thumb is missing. Well, cannibals, they believe that if the body is not whole, then the body is unclean. And so they look down and they see that, that he's missing a thumb. And so they say, oh, no, we don't, you know, we, we don't want. And they sent him on his way. And so this king is running all the way back to his kingdom. And he's just happy. And in, and in transition, 
Uh, he's thinking about his friend that he threw into prison. He's like, man, oh man, it's because of my thumb that I just didn't get eaten. I need to go and apologize you know, to my servant, my friend. And so he goes to the prison and he throws his arms around him. He said, I am so sorry. I am so very sorry that I threw you and you've been in prison for this, this last year. And the servant, the only thing that the servant could say is, this is good. And the king's like, what are you talking about? This is good. You've been in here all year in this dungeon. This is what is wrong with you. He said, well, if I hadn't have been in the prison cell, I would have been with you. This is good. I love that. Your pain will imprison you or it will be a school that will give you an education and empower you. You need to know that pain will either imprison you or empower you. So I'm going to give you three things. If we can have our worship team come up, we're getting ready to close. It says this in your pain. Number one. Stop running from God and run to him. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6 says this, To seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is yet near. And I'm not trying to dance on your emotions here, but I really believe this. Like I believe this with my whole heart and my whole being. First of all, I want you to know that there is going to be a time where you're not able to call on the Lord. The Bible says here, seek him while he may be found. There is going to be a day where it's too late. And I'm, I'm telling you that I really believe this, that, the, that just kind of looking at our nation, looking at our world and all the chaos, you can't trust anything that anybody says and just, just all, all kinds of stuff. And, and I'm, I'm, not a, you know, I'm not a negative person. I really tend to look at the positive side of things. But positively, I think that we, it, it just wouldn't surprise me if the Lord came back sooner than what a lot of people are thinking. Like, I really think that he could come back. And I know people have been saying that for the past 100, 200 years that, you know, the return of the Lord is near. And But I really believe this. Listen, I believe, I really believe that he could come in our lifetime. I believe that. And I don't think that that's something to be discouraged about. In fact, just like in the back, clap our hands because, you know, once again, that's what this whole thing this whole thing is about. But this is the scary part is that there's a lot of people that aren't surrendered and do not know him. And so if you know him, God bless that. I love that. But let's get busy, uh, uh, you know, being salt and light in, to a world that definitely needs, you know, some examples of what it looks like to be a Christ follower, you know, a Christ following adult male. What does it look like? A Christ follower, adult female. What does it look like? A Christ follower child that is a girl. What does it look like? A Christ follower child that is a, that is a boy. What does it look like? Because God will use all people. Amen. And listen, your kids, there's so much going on in our world today and there's so much despair and there's so much you know there there's there's there, there's so much hopelessness your children need to experience god they don't need to experience church they need to experience God. Like there are people that can go to church for a long period of time. And I believe, I don't know how this happens, but you may not experience God. Your kids might be forced to go to church, but I believe that them having, you know, growing up in the Lord is going to be more than what takes place on Sunday mornings and Wednesdays. Like we've got to take responsibility for our families, teaching them, you know, raising them up in the fear and admonition of God. 
you know, talking to them. See, this is the, this is the deal, is sometimes I've asked, now listen, just I'm not beating up on anybody, but I've asked adults to pray, hey, would you open us up in prayer? Would you pray for the meal or this or that? And adults are like, I don't do that. And I'm thinking to myself, the man, you've been coming to church for 10 years. Ever since I've been here, you've been here and probably longer than that, but you're not going to pray when, when given an opportunity to pray, let me ask you a question. How are you going to teach your children to pray when you don't yourself know how to pray, but you're telling them it's important to pray? You understand what I'm saying? Like it's time for, for whatever has taken place in the local church. And there's a lot of great things that have happened. Like God is moving. There's a lot of really cool things. But there's also some shifts that we've, that's, I don't know what's happened. We've been asleep at the wheel or, or what. But there's some shifts that have taken place where things that used to be common are now uncommon. And all I'm saying is, is let's get back to making those things, you know, those things common, right? Let's get back to asking God, what is, what's important, come on, for me as a member of your body, come on, to be about? So uh, number two is this, take the steps to grow. Take the steps to grow. Ooh, this is good. It kind of goes in, you know, with what I was just talking about. But I really believe that one reason why a bad day can tear somebody, tear somebody up, like, like one moment can destroy a life. Listen to me now. I want your eyeballs up here just real quick. The reason why one bad moment can affect somebody so badly is because there's no depth to their life. That's a serious statement. How can one moment wreck an entire life is because there's no depth to the life. The Bible talks about being anchored. And so here you've got a, a picture of a, of a watercraft, a vessel that's in the middle of a storm. If you've got an anchor, you throw that anchor overboard, it goes down and it attaches itself to the bottom of the ocean or the bottom of the lake, whatever it is that you're in, and it stabilizes you. See, if you're not anchored in the Lord, then guess what? Your destination is wherever the storm wants to take you. You've got to be anchored in the Lord. You have to, you have to be anchored. You've got to, you've got to be attached, come on, to the foundation, which is Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 2 and verse 2 says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure and spiritual milk. Listen, if you've got a baby drinking milk and they're hungry, you're going to know about it. And so I think it's incredible that it uses this illustration. Like newborn babies, you've got to crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have tasted of the Lord's kindness. I don't know how you could go to our church unless you just started. I don't know how you could go to our church and not be baptized. You know why? Because we talk about baptism all the time. So if you haven't been baptized, I don't know why you haven't been baptized. You know God wants you to be baptized. Get baptized. Well, I just got to get some things in order. No, you're getting things in order by getting baptized, repenting of your sins, entering into the waters of baptism. I don't know how somebody could go to church for 10 years and still tip God and not tithe God. Give him what belongs to him, which is the first 10% of your increase. I don't know how you could walk with God for a period of time and never crack his word open. I don't know how. Like when I first got saved and I need to get my Bible open more just for personal time and not just study time. But when I was first saved, man, there was something inside of me that said, let's get to know this God that's been so good to you. Amen. 
So we could go on and on as to why. And all I'm saying is, is that make the choice to grow. That means to be further along tomorrow than you are today. How many of you would like to plant a garden and it just stays a seed? Well, I'm just watering my garden. This is pretty awesome. No, you've got some goals in mind that I can't wait to make fresh salsa. Fresh salsa is so much better than anything you can buy in the store. If it stays a seed in the ground, oh, I'm just out water. That's a sweet looking dirt bed that you've got there. No, you expect for it to grow, right? Number three is this. In my pain, I have to trust God to use my experience to help others. I want to say this, that the thing that you often think will disqualify you is the very thing that qualifies you. This last Sunday, I wasn't here. I was in Umatilla, Oregon, Hermiston, Oregon. And I went to my 30-year class reunion. And what was so great about this reunion is they incorporated. I've never heard about this ever happening in the history of all history. My class incorporated a church service to be a part of of the class reunion and asked me to go to the church and to and to speak. I remember, and this is cowboy church now. Cowboys get up early. Church was at 8 a.m. People stayed out late Saturday night, hanging out, visiting, you know, doing all of that. And I was going to the church that morning, and I remember leaning over to my wife, and I said, Teen, it might just be me and you here this morning and the pastor of the church and, and whoever's there. But I was like, Man, nobody from the class might show up. I'm telling you this, that I showed up that morning and half of the church that was there was the, was the class of 1990. That's how many people showed up. You see, see, God was doing some things. And when I was asked to speak you know, to my class at this church service about a month and a half ago, immediately the Lord dropped in my spirit what I was supposed to speak on. I was supposed to speak on the importance of relationship. And, and of course, I went into the, the idea that, listen, we're connected. We've got great memories, you know, from our youth. And, and even though we've gone so many different directions, you know what I mean? We're still connected and there's a reason and a purpose for that. But the last relationship I was able to talk to them about was the most important relationship was all. And that was the relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, Holy Spirit was moving. It was a powerful service. And I know for a fact that God positioned me, the person that was least likely to succeed in my class. Like, go back in your mind and think about that guy that had nothing going for him. And you're just like, man, the prison's going to love this guy. He drinks way too much. He's too rowdy, this and that. I was the guy that was able to bring the message to my class talking to them about Jesus Christ and Him crucified and how vitally important that relationship is in their life, just as it's important in our life. How crazy is that? The very thing that you think disqualifies you is the thing that qualifies you. The last scripture I'm sharing with you is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. says, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God gave us. Amen. I'm challenging you, church. Get back to prayer. I'm asking you, church, to repent for your sins. And I'm asking you, church, to trust God in all of these areas that we spoke about because God is doing something very significant and special and you're a part of his plan. Amen. I love you, church. God bless you. And thank you so much for being here today. That's it for today's teaching. 
Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. Services are Sundays at 8.45 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.